3: Welcome to the Port Charles 411. Today is kind of a mishmash of a bunch of stuff. Yes. We spoke with Steve Silverman, who is actually the host of his own podcast called World Gone Good. Uh, we connected with him on Instagram after our episode about well, Leslie. Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember we <laughs> After our episode about Leslie and he just he shot us a message and said, I spoke with Denise Alexander on my podcast sent a link, listened to it, loved it, let him know that we loved it. And he's like, thanks. She's like a second mom. And then I listened to other episodes and it turns out that he had been an intern on General Hospital. So of course we had to talk to him and get some stories. So we get a little bit more in detail about Denise and his time. It was such,
0: such fun stories. Like just how he got there is insane. Right. If you had tried to plan that out as your life, it would never have worked out. No. No, so.
3: and I feel like if there's a lot of good life lessons in our chat with him, yes. so it'll take you everywhere. It has everything. <laughs> and we did not get any dirt, but we got a little bit of what I like to call dust. There you go. So yeah, got a little taste, but nothing too nasty. But we hope that you enjoy our chat with Steve.
1: Hey. Hey, how are you? Hi. How are you? Good. I'm on my bed. This is... <laughs> This is where I record all my podcasts, because this is the best sound in my house.
3: You have to go with it. We are—we just got new microphones, so oh, ignore the <laughs> no,
1: you, it's helicopter look. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tell me your name, so I know who so I'm
3: Shannon. I'm Amanda.
1: Nice to meet you, Shannon and Amanda. You too. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that you reached
3: out about our episode that we did about Leslie and... So Steve is also a fellow podcaster and we'll definitely talk about your show. I love it. It's it's a very positive, very much needed now. But then as I was listening to one, you mentioned that you used to work on General Hospital. So, you know, just give us a little bit of background. We don't really follow a script. We just like to, I feel like your show is kind of the same. So
1: the year was 1992 and I was graduating from college and I had uh, gotten a job right after college with the university. And I was set to go start the job. And then um, I got the job, I think, in like February. And it was going to start like May, right after we graduate, right? So mm-hmm. nothing to do with what I studied. I studied media and television and communications. And my friend Mary Alice said, hey, I'm applying for all of these um, internships at television shows. You should apply for some of them, too, because it falls in our world. And I was like, OK. So we just started. We applied for everything. But it was the summer. And this is in in the in the 90s, back in the day, kids, mm-hmm. there wasn't, you know, now we have programming all year long, right? right? There was no summer programming, there was just repeats. So all your favorite primetime shows were on vacation, you know, on hiatus. Mm-hmm. So we had limited things we could choose from. So we applied to like um, every talk show, every judge show, and every soap opera. And at the time, there were quite a few soap operas still on the air. And we even applied for some New York ones just to see what would happen because I'm from New York, and I'm like, hey, if all my children wants us, well, I'll go back to New York, why not? So Absolutely. we got interviews at. Um, we only got three interviews. We both got them. We got an interview at Days of Our Lives set up. We got interviews at Young and the Restless set up. And we got interviews at General Hospital set up. And we worked them all. So they were like the same Thursday and Friday. We drove out from Tucson, Arizona to LA, stayed in LA, went to our interviews our interview with the Young and the Restless was with the receptionist. She was super nice. I'm not cutting them at all. That's just who that was with. And yeah. she explained, you're going to be helping me for the summer, but it's a really cool job. Great. She was really nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to remember names because I'm usually good with names. Her name started with an M. It'll come to me uh, because yeah. it was very like interesting. It was like Monique or Monique Mon- Mon- will come to me. Then we go to days of our lives. Okay. I think that was the same day. And our interview was with, may he rest in peace, Al Rabin, who was the senior executive producer of the show. So wow. we went from the receptionist to the person in charge. I was so nervous in this interview. I was 22 years old. I was shaking. And he was like, so nice and couldn't have been nice. He so explained it. just said, oh, you'll be helping us out for the summer, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. You know, running mm-hmm. errands, working with, you know, we'll show you departments. Then the next day, I think we went to General Hospital and we met with the production coordinators, which was a team of people who were in their 20s. They were super nice. And there was a woman named Haley. And Haley said, oh, I'm from Tucson. I'm like, oh, we go to school in Tucson. Oh, and we talked about Tucson, blah, blah, blah. We leave. I think it was probably a month later, we both got, uh, we both failed at Days of Our Lives. Big failure. Um, but we both got offers from the Young and the Restless in General Hospital. Marnie, her name was Marnie. I told you I'd remember they her name.
3: <laughs> you talk like us, don't worry.
1: <laughs> and um, edit any part of this, I don't care. Uh, keep it in, whatever. Um, so we talked about it and we're like, we both had watched General Hospital for so long and we both wanted it. We were, we were friends. We we're both resident assistants in the dorms, two different dorms. And I said, well, maybe you should take General Hospital and I'll take Young and the Restless. And then we could like, you know, compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, come with me to General Hospital. I was like, all right, whatever. So we accepted the jobs. Now, I already accepted a job at the University of Arizona, which was incredibly awkward. Because I had to call them and tell them, I'm not going to take the job with you because there's a job for credit that I'm going to make $0 at that I'd rather go do. But I wanted to move to LA. I didn't want to stay in Tucson. So we, um, this is before cell phones, kids. She, we, we gra- I graduated on a Saturday night. She had one more semester to do. Sunday morning, she met me at my house. We tandem car drived out to LA. She bought us walkie-talkies, like little kid walkie-talkies. And we friggin just talked to each other. As long as we stayed about three car lengths, could hear each other clear as a bell brilliant she was brilliant we got to la we got to our place we stayed at the um oakwoods in burbank anyone who knows burbank will start laughing um just so you guys know and and this will really tell how old anyone listening or you are there was a band called color me bad yes. okay yes. i want a sex uh-huh. remember that? okay yes they lived two doors down from us at the Oakwoods. <gasps> this was the greatest moment of my life right because it was like Right, it's like, oh my if,
3: gosh, yeah, yeah.
1: If, if Tiffany lived across the hallway, I'd be even happier. No, but Color Me Bad lived down the hallway from us. We got two more roommates, blah, blah blah. We started work Monday morning, and that's pretty much how it all happened. I, it just, it just sort of happened overnight. And we were, we were huge fans of the show, so it was really cool to, you know, drive there and start working there.
3: That's crazy. That is <laughs> throw a little Color Me Bad in there too, though. <laughs> If you don't know who they are, go look them up. They were oh, right essential so
1: 90s. So <laughs> 90s.
3: Yes. And All for nice. Love. That was a good song.
1: Yeah. They, <laughs> they were nice guys. So it was, it was cool. To, oh, it was good. Like, but to come from like Tucson, Arizona and, and you the first like you move in and your neighbors are celebrities, it was very mind blowing.
3: So you were already a fan of the show beforehand. When did you start watching it?
1: So, hilariously, um, I'm much younger than my siblings. And it was 1978. I would have been about eight years old. And my sister came home from uh, high school. And she said her two best friends, Diane and Nancy, were going on some trip together. And my sister said, We have to watch, this is before VCRs, everybody. We have to watch a show called General Hospital and write down everything that happens this week. And so, we were such good kids. Like my sister would have been, uh, 16, I guess, or 17, maybe 15. Let me do the math. She's seven years old. Yeah, she's like 15 or 16. So she went to my mom and said, can we watch? We always asked. We're such, we were such Disney characters. So we asked permission to watch the TV. My mom said, Oh yeah, you can watch that. And we started watching and my brother was must've been 13 or 14, but we were hooked. And so my sister wrote everything down. And then that was 78, 79 and Luke and Laura hit in 1980. Mm -hmm. And then I just kept watching and I watched all through college and then huge, huge fan. I mean, we were in college. I had three roommates in a tiny room, but everyone on my floor, there were 48 of us. Everybody watched general hospital. We had one of the few TVs. Mm -hmm. So like, 20 guys would crowd in at like came on at two o'clock there on the East coast where I used to live. It came on at three. Uh, so at like one fifty eight it was like pound, 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 pound. Everybody crowded in. And it was, sh- and then we'd all like, and we'd watch. And then the commercials, there'd be much discussion. There'd be drinking, there'd be pizza. And we'd watch. It was pretty great. Oh, that's
3: awesome. We always say that. We're like, there are so many more guy fans than oh, probably God. admit it.
1: General Hospital, like days of our lives, really embraced the, especially in the 80s, the adventure storylines. Mm-hmm. So like the treasure storyline was such a good story and so stupid and fun and <laughs> Frisco and Felicia and introducing anna and all these great characters and then it, it kind of i mean there were times with the show where i'm like what what's like what is happening but that's mm-hmm. with any show um but yeah it is it is i found that more guys especially in college i found more guys watching those two shows mm-hmm. than any other of the sh- uh, of the soaps
0: so what's been your favorite storyline since you've watched for so long
1: oh that's a hard one um i mean i've been oh I think honestly for me, the year that they did do the treasure storyline, it was like 1985, 86 was just a really fun year. And they also crammed in one of my favorite storylines. And I got to tell her this when I worked there at general hospital. Um, the, there was about a six week period during that time period where I'm going to, okay, Ginny Blake killed Bobby's husband, Dale Brock. Can you believe I remember these names? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember like relatives. I can remember this crap. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, they did a brilliant, uh, Gloria Monti did a brilliant, brilliant, really f- quick murder mystery month and, and stepped away from the storyline of the treasure and mm-hmm. still things were happening, but they did a whole gaslight storyline, the very Hitchcock storyline. And I loved it because I loved Hitchcock and I still do. She framed Bobby And Ginny framed Bobby. And it was this great, really fast storyline of a murder mystery. And it was just so well done because it it was at the pace that they do things now really fast. And it was figured out pretty quickly that she was lying and all this stuff. But uh, Judy Chapman, who played Ginny Blake, was amazing, amazing. And I got to tell Jackie Zeman when I worked at General Hospital, who is one of the sweetest, nicest people. I mean, it's a long time ago. But I got to tell her face to face that I love that storyline and she's like, Oh, you're so sweet. And like, you know, that was really nice. That was, that was one of the really fun parts of going to general hospital and working there is like they, as an intern, we got put in every environment of the show. So like you got there one day and they're like, today you're going to go and you're going to shadow this person. And watch what they do. So there was a day where I got to, it was a week, I think I went to, Paul Antonelli was the head of music. So we got to work with him and we got to just watch how he chose music. And this is back in the day when they would just be like, you know, oh, you want to use, let's use this Paula Abdul song. You know what I mean? Like, and they they pay for it. It was like, obviously Mm -hmm. I I work in television now, so I know how expensive these things are.
3: They had the budget then though. that's When Karen was um, at the strip club, they had like
1: all the Prince songs. Right. Like they couldn't even play an instrumental of that now. Right. If you go watch, if you go watch the old eighties episodes, anytime they're in Kelly's diner, Mm -hmm. there are top 40 songs playing the background, Yep, you know, off of Ruby's tiny little um, boom box, Mm -hmm. but no, they moved us around a lot. And that was, what was really cool. We got to go on the set. We were allowed certain times to be on the set, watching certain things film. There were times they didn't want us on the set because it was either something top secret or was something, anytime there was anything super um, emotional, it's funny you said about Karen, Carrie, uh, what was Carrie's last name who played Karen? Karen? What was it? Carrie Shea. Carrie Shea. Very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie loves uh,
0: Karen. I was a little upset.
1: Oh, she was so, she, she was such a nice person. I'll tell you a side story. Well, first of all, there was this really emotional moment where she had to cry in a phone booth and they asked all of us to leave because she needed that like moment to get there, which was, you know, interesting actor's process. We we used to go, there was a gym in Studio City, this tiny little gym, and it was right by where we stayed at the Oakwoods. And we were broke post-college students. I was working two jobs at the time and going in working to get the extra credit for college I don't know what I needed it for but I got it if I needed I guess I suppose supposedly could use it to my master's who knows we went to this gym and we go in and we went downstairs and there was an upstairs tiny gym upstairs was the cardio downstairs was the weights me and my buddy Chris go downstairs and this girl walks over and like knocks me in the back with a weight and I turned around and it was Carrie and she like She's like, didn't you bring me my mail earlier today? I'm like, hey. And we just started talking with the weirdest, like, again, like weirdest LA, you know, kind of moment. So, yeah. But it was, um, I was an intern there. And then what happened, which was kind of cool, Mark Teshner, the casting director, mm-hmm. needed someone to replace his assistant for the summer. And he came to me and he said, oh, I'm going to spill so much tea here. Watch this. He came to me and said, would you be interested? You have to answer the phone. You have to work with me. I'll teach you about casting. I was like, oh my God, yes. And I thought it was just another intern thing. He said, and I can pay you. It's a job job. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, I can pay you $15 an hour. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I know. So here's the thing I have to tell you. And Mark may come on here sometime and deny this happened. No, here's the thing. (laughs) It was 1992, and fifteen dollars an hour in 1992 is like. Yeah. Can you do the math? Is there some calculator you can use? To you know a, what it would be? She,
0: Shannon's a geek. She loves to find out information. All right, so Shannon, tell us know.
1: what that would be today. I'm thinking it's going to be like twenty-eight dollars an hour, thirty dollars an hour.
3: I love this. <laughs> Twenty-seven eighty-five. Oh, what did you say? Oh, I cool. The price is Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of money.
1: I do production budgets, so I run numbers like uh, through my head, much like you, all the time. So he hired me, and I got to learn all this great stuff for about six weeks about casting. The other great thing was I had two jobs. I was a waiter at a restaurant, and then I was working at a T-shirt company at the Farmers Market on Fairfax and Third. I quit the t-shirt job. I only took that because I I was barely getting by, but it was really amazing. He's such, I, 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 we're still friends. We have a mutual friend in common. We were at my friend's wedding and it was like, Oh my God, I hadn't seen him in like years. Mm -hmm. Um, But he taught me so much. I got to cast in the, in 1992, Holly and Bill went on this wacko South American adventure when she had a look-alike. Do you remember all this? Remember how everybody on the show seems to have a look-alike? Yeah, of course. Right. She had like a cousin or a twin who looked just like her. And we had an actual, I'm not making that up. They they had an actual panther, like a black panther chained up. That was crazy. And Uh um, there was a water slide. I'm going to find you guys this clip because I'm not making this up because I... Oh, we believe you. Don't worry. (laughs) We wanted to go down the water slide. They built a water slide. It was insane, but it was like them going, like it wasn't a real water slide. It was supposed to be that they were in like some sort of mudslide. And Tony Geary and Emma Sams like had so much fun. They did it like four or five times to get all the angles. They wanted to be having a ball. But anyway, I got to cast, Mark Teshner said, I want you to cast the like pirate villains- who are chasing them. So like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. So I go to some, there's this big drawer that you open and everything's in, was in folders with eight by tens based on type. So Mm -hmm. I start pulling, you know, arg pirates, right? (laughs) And I bring him in a folder of like choices and he looks at him and I remember this, he's like, no. And he pushes them forward. He's like, remember where we are. I need hot pirates, I need foot <laughs> four muscle pirate. I'm like, okay, I got you. I got you. I, I turned on the gay, uh, which I am. And I, um, I I got to cast Sexy Pirates. And um it was kind of cool. Like for somebody who's 22 years old to then see these guys on the air and go, oh my God, I did that. That was kind of right. cool. Yeah. So it was, it was a fun, fun, fun experience. And, and it led to so many things since relationship wise that I've, I've jumped ahead on. Mm
3: -hmm. So how long were you there? Like, was it just through that summer?
1: It was, I want to say it was like, uh, like three or four months. It was into September because Marilyn Toma and Bill Levinson were the uh, head writers and Marilyn jumped ship. And she went over to days of our lives to co-write with James Riley had just come out from New York to write. And I left in September, which like just, 22 years old, trying to find my way in, you know, Hollywood. And I want to say like maybe mid-January or February. Uh, this is, this is before, <laughs> this is before email. And I mean, we had email, but texting, and you know, all. my landline rang and some guy named Sean said, "Hey, I'm looking for Steve." I said, "I'm Steve." And he said, "Steve, um I'm at Days of Our Lives, Marilyn Toma would like to meet with you." And I was like, "Okay?" Like, and I was so excited because I wanted to be a writer. I went to Days of Our Lives and Marilyn remembered me. I don't know how this all I don't remember how this all went down. I became Marilyn's writer assistant intern. Again, For credit, not for pay, but I worked for Marilyn Toma for, I want to say like in 1993, it was like February till June. And it was when, uh, or further, went into the summer because it's when we buried Carly alive. That was a big storyline. I remember like the whole... Burying somebody alive in a coffin thing. And and we plotted I remember us plotting all that out, and that was pretty cool. Oh,
0: that's awesome. I'm so jealous of everything you've got to do. That's awesome.
1: It was so cool because like any like you or anyone listening, it's like you you know, I, I grew up in a tiny town in New Jersey and I and I moved to Phoenix to my my senior year of high school, and then I went to college, and like anybody, I had dreams of going to Hollywood and making it and and becoming a writer and I used to I went back to my University of Arizona many years ago and gave a speech they, they, they had me give a talk and then I answered questions for this media arts class hilariously I was supposed to talk to about 30 people and then for some reason my old professors all talked to each other and they moved me to an auditorium auditorium suddenly I was talking to 300 students I told them if, if you're if you have a connection if you're if you're you know, Anthony Spelling and your uncle is Aaron Spelling and he offers you a job. You take that job. You don't worry about nepotism or whatever in you need to do in in a healthy, good way. I highly encourage because it took me almost eight years to find my path. And it was a long eight years. It was an expensive eight years. It was a debt filled eight years. I don't regret any of it. That's but awesome. it was a long, long journey. So, but it was cool. I mean, it was so, there were so many fun adventures that happened. I'll tell you quickly uh, how I met Denise, which is because a year after General Hospital, right around the days of our lifetime, I was a writer. I wrote a play. I sent it to my friends. Crystal Carson was on General Hospital. She played Julia Barrett. She was Brenda Barrett's older sister. Mm-hmm. And then um, Cheryl Richardson, who I think last na- is last name Cheryl Smith now. She's married to Forey Smith. Cheryl Richardson. She played Jenny. She was one of Ned's wives. She had red oh, hair. Yes, yes. So I was pretty friendly with them. And I sent them both this play I wrote. And just to see, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And then they, we, we all, you know, we got together, whatever it was, and then they agreed to be in it. And I cast all the other parts and then there was this, it was called Mother's Day. There was a lead role from a, a, a mother. And I had it in me that I was going to get, you ready to laugh. I was going to get Stephanie Powers. I was going to get, I was going to get Cheryl Ladd. I was going to get Linda Carter. Like I was like, in, I, I mean, I wasn't crazy enough to think I'm going to get Meryl Streep, but I was like, I'm going to get this Somebody Unexpected I wanted to find somebody and maybe Mark Teschner taught me this. I don't know, but somebody who you didn't think of comedy wise. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke to so many people. I can't even tell you how many people I spoke to. I'm going to blow your minds for a second. I don't know if you know who this is. I spoke to Sharon Gabbett who was on edge of night she played raven on edge of night and she's was delightful but she was retired i spoke to all these people and then it was getting closer and closer because like a dumb, i paid for put the down payment on a theater because i'm like i'm putting up a play how hard could this be i was 23 i was a punk and i was a moron so i like i literally gave like i i was just trying right um, and then a friend of mine, Leona said, what about Denise Alexander? And I said, Oh, I hadn't even thought of her. I said, I love her. She's amazing. Where is she? Like it was 1993. Like what, like, where'd she go? Like, I haven't thought of her in forever. Mm-hmm. And Leona said I, she had a contact for her and I said, okay. And I called this number and I left a message and it was for, um, potpourri unlimited. I can't, again, How I remember this stuff. Jesus Christ. If you want to know anything about the bionic woman or the $6 million man, start asking questions because I will answer (laughs) all your questions and freak you the hell out. Okay. So I leave a message for Potpourri Unlimited. And then I'm like, I hang up and I'm like, did I, was that the right number? So I call back and again, the machine, I'm like, all right, okay. It was the right number. Then I call Leona. I'm like, Leona, this thing you left me is for popery unlimited. She's like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure that that's the number. And so I think like maybe a couple days went by and my phone rings again, landlines, everyone, no caller ID. I pick it up. I I'm going like, to
3: say that. I'm like, that's how you got away with calling back.
1: We used to have this thing called star 69. If somebody like, remember, mm-hmm, yeah, yep. and, then it, and you can still do star 70 on your cell phone. It blocks your, yeah, that's a good one too. Oh, okay. That's a little one for you to know. Anybody needing to go and, you know, call your ex, hit star 70. And, then
3: <laughs>
1: um, and so my phone rings and I answer and it was like three o'clock on a random Wednesday and I have to go in. I'm still working at that restaurant. And this woman said, hi. And I knew the voice immediately. Hi, I'm looking for Steve Silverman. And I said, hi, Denise Alexander. And she said, oh, hello. And she said, thank you so much for leaving a message that was so sweet of you. And we had like the shortest conversation. And she said, um, thank you for thinking of me. Um, I've retired from acting. I don't act anymore, but thank you for thinking of me. And I wish you the best of luck. And I said, okay. And I didn't, I don't know why this went off in my brain, but I said to her, I'm going to, can I send you my play anyway? And there was like a long pause. And she said, well, I'm not going to do it. I said, that's okay. Can I send it to you anyway? Do you have a PO box? And she said, I do. And I said, well, I'll send it to you. I sent her the play like that, Next day, Thursday. And I'm not kidding. I think it might've been Saturday. Wow. She called back. Like my phone rang. And this time I was like, hello. Like the stars are calling. Um, And she's like, hi, Steve, it's Denise. And I said, hi. And she said, "Um, I just want you to know I'm not doing your show. And I laughed. And she said, I I just want to tell you um, that I'd like to have lunch with you. And she said- Anyone who writes like you is somebody I'd like to meet, but I'm not doing, it. which made me feel really like, remember, I'm 23 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm living next to Color Me Bad previously. I've, <laughs> I've been kicked out of general hospital and I'm probably about to get kicked out of days of our lives. So I went and had lunch with her in Beverly Hills, which was surreal. And we met at like, we just talked about this recently. She and I think it's on my podcast in the bonus content. We talked about it cause I challenged her to remember the first time we actually met. Mm-hmm. We met at a restaurant in Beverly Hills at about quarter to one and we closed it down. We, we stayed until like the three 30 point when they asked you to leave cause they got to turn over for dinner. Yeah. We just hit it off and we were just talking about life and everything. And when we left, she said, it was so great to meet you. And she hugged me and she's like, she said something about, you know, my husband's a television director, you know, maybe we could look at some projects, but I'm not doing your show. I said, okay. <laughs> And I laughed, right? And so I don't know what made me do this, but beginning the next day at exactly three o'clock, I would call her and she would answer and go, hello. And I go, hey, Denise, it's Steve Silverman. And she'd go, I'm not doing your show. And then (laughs) then we both laugh. I go, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. She's like, okay. And I hang up. It got to the point, you guys, you can ask, you will speak to her, I promise, sometime. She will tell you this story. She she thought I was such a punk. And then her phone would ring at three o'clock and she would answer the phone almost every day and go, not even hello, I'm not doing your show. (laughs) And I go, okay, well, I was just checking in. How's everything else? It's good. Okay. And we wouldn't even laugh. So what wound up happening, I had a play reading scheduled with the cast. It was like three weeks of this going back and forth. And I still, someone wanted me to audition their friend. And I remember that I was going to hire this other, not unknown, but local theater actress, not a television actress, but a local theater actress. And I remember we met and I liked her. And so my friend said, well, let's do a play reading with her. And I said, okay. And then Leona said, no, no, no. It was Leona's idea. Denise ever questions us. Leona said, let's get Denise Alexander to come down. Tell her that you need her just to do the play reading. I said, she's going to say no. And we were laughing about it. I'm like, I'm too scared to call her. So um, I called her. She answered the phone. She said, I'm not doing your play. I said, That's fine. Would you mind doing a play reading? And she said, Well, when is it? And I said, It's like, you know, whatever. Thursday night at 7 p.m. at the Little White Chapel. God, it's so crazy. I remember stuff. It was a, it was a like a rec room outside of a chapel. I had no money. I just want to reiterate for the hundredth time how little money I had. They will ask. <laughs> They asked for $15 an hour for their space. I'm like, I'll take two hours. And then that was my tips from the, you know, from the restaurant one night. Great. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do anything. Denise came down and she surprised me because she brought her husband, Richard Cola, with her. And I knew Richard Cola because Richard Cola is, a, was a, he's still a great guy. He was a major television director. And he introduced, hello, nice to meet you. And he said, I'm just going to sit over here. And we did the reading of my play. And it was like magic. She like fit perfectly in. And when we were done with the reading, you know, I had like some photos and some M&Ms. I don't know what I had. And people were sort of, you know, actors, just give actors food. They'll stay for anything. I went over to him and he shook my hand and he said to me, you really have something here. And I said, yeah, I I think we might. And Denise came over to me and said, can I talk to you outside for a minute? And she had this very like intense. And I'm like, Okay. And we went outside. I'm six foot one. Denise is like five. Oh God, if she hears me say that, all right. Denise thinks she's five nine five ten. She's five two if she's a day. Okay. Um, so she said we stood outside. I'll never forget this. And she she like put her head like her head like her forehead in my like chest and very quietly said, "I'll do it." And then she looked back at me and she said but don't say anything. I got to go. I got to go. I'll call you later. And she left. I think she forgot. Maybe she and Richard took two cars, but because she she forgot her husband, She forgot him. So then he leaves and I come back in and my whole cast is there. And Crystal and Cheryl are there and Crystal Carson, who is still a dear friend of mine. Your your audience cannot see me making this face, but Q Crystal made the crystal face. It looks like this, just like this. Like (laughs) the mouth of the grin, like, do we have... And I just, I gave like the slightest little nod and everybody went crazy because it was just such a perfect fit. And so we went into rehearsals, we opened the show. It's not, it wasn't wicked, (laughs) It wasn't some Tony winning show. It was a piece of something that I wrote. I was 23 years old. I didn't have much life experience. And the critics destroyed us. Oh. And it was it was rough. I'm not gonna lie. The LA Weekly, the LA Times, they, they, they were so harsh. And amazingly, though, we were selling out. We were selling out for two reasons. One was we had three soap actors in it that were bringing an audience. But two was is that word around the community was it was just a funny little play. Mm-hmm. And go see a funny little show about a, a messed up family. And then I lucked out because... The LA Daily News, I think they've gone out of business. He called me in advance and said, hey, I'm going to come see your show. He said, I read those reviews you got. And I was like, oh God, here we go again, right? And he said, I just want you to know, he's like, I'm, I'm a nice guy. He's like, as long as you make me laugh, you're going to get a good review. And I'm like, okay. He gave us this glowing review, and it was like in the Sunday edition, and they put a picture, and then the phone started ringing off the hook. Oh, and awesome. yes, I still lost, I want to say eight or nine grand that <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't have, but God bless credit cards and um <laughs> and Denise and I sort of we stayed friends for we've been friends ever since she's like a second mom to me she's um she's done she always says yes to she always says no. And then five seconds later says, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything I've ever done, and she'll own up to this, uh, she reads it and then tells me, well, this makes no sense. And I don't know why you'd spend the money. And this, you're going to just fall into a hole. And then I do whatever it is. And I'm not bragging. People like it or they don't. People like it. And then she calls me and goes, well, when can I be in it? And I'm like, really?
0: <laughs>
1: but I love I love her. I did a show with... I wrote a show that Kirsten Vangsness, who was on Criminal Minds, was the star of it. it was before she was on Criminal... Way before mm-hmm. Criminal Minds. It was like 2001, I think. Jean Carroll, who was on Guiding Light, mm-hmm. uh, she played a part in it. And I had asked Denise to play this part, and Denise said no. She was too busy. Um, and Jean took Jean did the part, and then Denise started coming to see the show, and she saw the show multiple times, and then she kept... Punching me in the arm going, why did I say no? That's such a fun part. It's such a fun part. This was the first show I ever had that was critically acclaimed. And I had no audience. I had like 10 bodies. And I, there's a rule in equity waiver theater that you can, if there are less people in the audience than in your cast, the cast can vote on whether to not do the show that night. Oh, So I had 14 cast members and I would get like nine audience members. So I'd go back every stage going, every night going, we got nine people. And I'm like, are we voting? And everyone's like, let's just do it. We're here. I'm like, okay, you already paid for it. Let's go. So Jean called me one week and said she got a commercial shooting in God knows where. I'm so sorry to do this to you. It was like that Tuesday. I can't do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, double Sunday, right? <laughs> Five shows. So I called Denise and I said, you're on Thursday. And she's like, where do I got to be? Wednesday afternoon, We. she's such a pro. She had already memorized everything. Wednesday afternoon, we did a, like a walkthrough block. And the way we did it is I literally told every cast member, like Gina, at this point, you need to move. We, we treated her like a chess piece. You need to Mm -hmm. move Denise with you. Like, I just said, I'm not going to worry about Denise remembering all the blocking. Just move her around. And Denise said to Kirsten, just grab me, push me because they were, she said they were mother and daughter. She said, it'll make total sense. And she said, and if I, and we were laughing because Denise told her at one point, apparently like, if I forget to leave a scene, tell her like, go, you know, or I'll see you later or like throw something in. I'll get the house. The other really funny part is Jean Carroll is a tall woman Mm -hmm. and Denise is the, I had to make the costumes work. That alone was kind (laughs) of hilarious, but that was, that was a crazy, crazy thing because I think I was more nervous for Denise on that Thursday night. Um, but then all these people actually that weekend showed up who were friends of Denise's to see her on stage again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, I'll shut up. I talk too much. Ooh,
3: you're fine. <laughs> this is why we like talking to people. You know, all your life experiences. It's awesome. And then she wound up coming back shortly. But she came back in 1994.
1: And then... Yeah, she, yeah, she called me and said... I think she left me a message and said, hey, I got to talk to you. Will you call me? And I called her and she goes... Uh, and... <laughs> she goes, hi. And she goes, so I got some news. And I said, they want you to come back to general hospital. And she's like, how did you do that? I said, cause you have like this weird tone in your voice. And when, when you have good news, like I'll tell you guys another story about her, which was hilarious, but I'll get to that in a second. She talked to me about, she kept saying, I'm asking the people closest to me, should I do it? Mm. And I said, do you want to do it? And she said, I think so. And I said, well, do you know? I said, don't tell me because you'll get in trouble. But do you know what the storyline is? And she said, yes. And um, and that's an interesting story because that didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. And I can share this with you. And you okay. may already know this. Denise came back and there was a much bigger story. But Jeannie Francis had contract negotiations and apparently it didn't work out the way Jeannie mm-hmm. wanted And she left. So they use that as the the way to get her away, right? Take her Mm -hmm. away. But there was a much bigger storyline. And also I should tell your listeners this. if anyone who remembers the storyline, Denise was very disappointed. Um, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here for her. She was disappointed because she filmed an entire set of scenes with Stephen Nichols where she like confronts him for keeping her kidnapped all those years, uh-huh. they didn't air any of those. They were, <sighs> they were too short for time. And Denise was so frustrated because she's like the work between the two of them was she said it was so good. I wish you could have seen it, but she understood. But again, mm-hmm. this came back down to, if you remember, she came on a couple weeks or a month or so and then she and Jeannie left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, but she called me when that happened. It was really funny too. In between there, Richard, her husband, was filming a mini-series called Zoya with I want to say Melissa Gilbert. You can look you can you can quote me on this. I believe it was Melissa Gilbert and I believe it was Bruce Boxleitner, her real-life husband. And they went to France and they hired, it was all shot in Paris. There was this huge part in it. It was a mini-series, I believe. There was a huge part, and they cast this French older French actress. And uh what happened was Denise found out that Richard was going to film this and she's like, I'm going to Paris. You're going to Paris. I'm going to Paris. So she went to Paris with him. They started filming. They had some sort of problem. I don't know what it was. It didn't work out with that woman. They were already filming. Denise. I mean, again, I'm spoiling Denise's stories. She told me this. She <laughs> was at dinner with the executive producers and Richard and everyone's eating and they're discussing what they're going to do. And she said, everyone went silent. And Denise said to me on the phone, she's like, you know me, I'm just eating my food and drinking my wine and looking around at the pretty pictures. And she looks up and everyone's looking at her and she goes, what? And Richard just did the point at her really slowly. And she said, what are you pointing at me for? And he said, we need an actress. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he said, oh, yes, 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 yes. And she did it. And hilariously, she called me from Paris to tell me what was happening. And I made her put Richard on the phone because I had directed her in the play, Mm -hmm. like I think a year and a half, maybe a year before. And I said, he got on the phone. He said, he he always says, hello, sir. And I go, hi, um, do you need some tips on handling a difficult actress? And she was like, (laughs) no, we've, she is a truly, one in a million wonderful person. And like I said, she's been my second mom. She's so has been so kind to us and, and hopefully we've been kind to her in return. My, my husband is a nurse. He works for the public health department. We're in yeah. Santa Barbara. She owns property w- with her husband in Ojai. We were on the phone for something right before Labor Day weekend. I was telling her that I was trying to find, I had failed. I was trying to find a getaway, surprise Jim with a getaway. And then she said, well, my house, our house is open in Ojai. Just go take our house. And I said, well, what do you want me to pay me? Pay you. And she's like, you're pay me. And so Jim came home and my husband's awesome, but he doesn't like last minute surprises. Like he likes a surprise he can prep for. But like mm-hmm. I don't know like about you, but if you said to me right now we're going to Italy, I'm like let's go. You know what right, I mean? Yes. Uh, he likes a little more time, so he came home and he he has been working so hard at the clinic, and he came home and he looked like you know he got <laughs> knocked out of him. Sorry, language. And um, I said, so I have a little surprise for you, and he was like, what? And I go, we're going away tomorrow, and he's like, we are. Where are we going? I'm like, we're going to Denise's house in Ohio, and we had been there. It's it's the newer house. She just they just got. And we've been there two July 4ths ago. And he's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm like, no. So we went there, it was so nice. And um, there's this giant pool. And I sent her all these videos because our one dog is, we have three dogs. Our one dog is a a husky mutt. I'll send you guys videos to make you laugh. She nonstop runs at a pool and goes airborne and lands. (laughs) But like a mermaid, like she's under the water, like a crazy person. And she'll like put her nose up and take a breath and then like dive down. So was a great, yeah. Thing. But yeah, no, we've, we've, um yeah, we've stayed close, close buds for a long time.
3: Well, that's awesome. And that's, it that sounds like a great getaway. And, you know, thank you so much to your husband and you. I mean, I'm sure that it's been a toll on you for everything that has been going on. And thanks so much to the frontline workers and everything for putting in all that they do. You know, it's...
1: I don't think people realize how... How much this pandemic required people to, in the health world, come up with solutions mm-hmm. on their own. And every clinic, every hospital, every doctor's office, everybody had to figure and has, is still figuring it all out. And he's in a supervisor position. He's been a nurse for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he's got a staff of people. But every aspect of this had to be figured out. And he comes home and he's so physically exhausted from moving around and also mentally exhausted. of moving. Yeah. How do you
3: figure out the unknown? How do you lead people through the unknown?
1: Right. Totally. Totally. And let me ask you guys a question. Uh, Well, first of all, let me ask you this related to the pandemic. What do you think? Do you think that a television show like General Hospital could have incorporated the COVID storyline into it? And just been like, like, don't you think when General Hospital came back again, I'm a little writer, like if you had Monica Quartermain, like at her desk at the hospital with a mask on and set typing into a computer, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks and work the COVID storyline in. Do you think that would have worked? Or do you think that's too much and takes away the fantasy?
3: We talk talked about this a lot. Um, we think the latter because it's our escape. And especially now, especially since GH specifically has done so many good humanitarian and, you know, such important storylines with, you know, like the Stone Cates and everything, where we don't have an end in sight right now, it would be too much. Right. And there's an infectious disease doctor on the show right now, so it wouldn't have done it justice to either his character or to the reality of what's going on, that he wouldn't. I mean, we could watch him go through this, but I think that that would probably be exhausting for the actor too to be having to do that. It's Michael Easton. Michael Easton's character is.
1: Um, I have no, I, I thought. I thought. I have no idea what any of these doctors like. Yeah. What their specialties are. Like, I know Monica is supposedly a heart surgeon. That's the only She's one the I.
3: know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. But um, yeah, so Hamilton Finn is Michael Easton and he is an infectious disease doctor. You know, I kind of wanted it at at first. I kind of wanted it in. It was great because when they did the nurse's ball, they did it as a telethon and they did it to benefit the frontline workers. So they honored it without totally going there, but they still acknowledged it, which was great. You know, I thought that was awesome that that's how they did the nurse's ball. And there is one doctor that has been wearing a mask around and but they kind of incorporated it into her storyline where she's trying to disguise herself too.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Obrecht who I love. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Kathleen. um, I got to work with Kathleen on a, on a smaller project I did called. um, Oh my God. Oh, Winterthorn. And Kathleen is a, an absolute delight. Everything you want her to be and more. She's just a delight. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. I love Obrecht.
0: Mm Mm-hmm feel like it is the escape I mean other shows have brought it in we both watched Grey's Anatomy and it kind of just it takes away from the fact that that is the escape it's more exhausting to wonder are they going to make it through is it going to be okay and so to add it into GH I think everyone needs that hour to just forget that it exists and focus on you know whatever
3: love scene or drama scenes on GH. I've actually only watched the first episode of Grace this season. I have not kept up with it, and I don't know if that's the reason why. Because typically, it's we watch it on Hulu, so like typically, it would be Friday. I'd be okay. We're watching Grace.
1: Right, right. When did you guys start watching yourself, General Hospital?
3: I, I did start. Well,
0: I'm older than you, so I did start first. Um, but my mom had watched it, so it was kind of always in the background growing up. But I really got into it like around 92, 93. Oh, right All right. the Karen stuff is what pulled me into it. That's my time.
3: Yes, yes. Exactly. exactly. Yes, And I was about 94. I know that my mom had watched it when I was younger because my parents got married in 1981 and she demanded that they get a TV because at that time you didn't maybe necessarily have one. Even in the 80s, you know, that still sounds crazy to think. But um, they had just gotten married and they didn't have a TV. And my dad was in the Navy and she was like, you need to get me a TV because I have to watch Luke and Laura's wedding and you're going to be gone. So (laughs) I need a TV, but she didn't really watch it when I was growing up. But a friend of mine's mom watched it and we would walk from the bus stop and I would drop her off at her house, but they had one of those big TVs, you know, like it was huge and you could see it from the street and, and, we would just kind of stand there and start to watch it and everything. And then once I started getting home in time, because we're in Pittsburgh, so we were the same, it was on at three. So in high school, I would get home with 10 minutes to spare and sit down and watch General Hospital. And, you know, and we've both kind of gone in and out at separate times, you know, because we both have kids, didn't always have a DVR or VCR. So,
1: right, right.
3: You know, sometimes you just missed it. Right. That's so
1: crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great escape, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's some of the, sometimes it's okay. You know, like the escape that I love is the great British bake show. Baking okay. show, And I was watching that when it was on PBS before it was on Netflix. It was cool, but it's just, it, that's such a, it, it makes you feel better about the world for a mm-hmm. few minutes, you know, and you just relax and you ease into it. And, and, and general Hospital, like any show, it's had its its peaks and its valleys, and it's done mm-hmm. you know like ups and downs, and there's whole moments where you're like, "Wait what <laughs> like, no one no one seems to recognize Sonny Corinthos, the mobster, even though Thank he's four hundred feet away from the town that he went wait and no <laughs> one like the 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 cop in that town, none of the police officers are like, well let's look at your fingerprints Thank you Or, like, a <laughs> <DNA> sample or <laughs> <laughs> people <laughs> like a little, there's a few holes here and there where you're just like this just
3: part, you know. amnesia you know and didn't know who he was like that should be the first thing let's see if you're in the
0: system well just like running his blood work originally they only checked for all the illegal substances nothing else okay
3: right like, right i'm in the system i've never committed a crime but because i worked in a bank and our real estate agent like you have to get fingerprinted for stuff yeah okay. so of non-criminals have their fingerprints in the system.
1: When I was a kid, we got fingerprinted in case you got abducted. Yes, uh, yes. So you know, I'm sure there's smaller versions of my fingerprints somewhere that you might want to you, you might want to look at. Yeah, that's that's pretty hilarious. But I, I mean, there's so many. General Hospital has always just been a sweet spot for me. There were whole years. I won't lie. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. The, there was probably a good ten years I didn't watch. I had no interest in the mobster stuff i didn't have any interest in i again suspending disbelief like some of the gunfire, gun shootouts that happened make me laugh there was a gun shootout recently on the dock uh uh cyrus had a point he was like a foot away from jason and he missed yeah and it was like and then jason ran around some barrels and ducked down I'm like what is happening yeah um, but other things you know i'm being mean other things are pretty have been terrific and highlights and not just the big, you know, Stone Kate storyline or the BJ heart transplant mm. storyline, but even like the littlest, like smaller storylines. One, uh, I mean, the one that always pops in my mind, I was always from day one, Lucy Coe. I got, I tried to cast Lynn Herring. We had a phone conversation once. And I tried to cast her in something I was working on and she just wasn't, I mean, I didn't have a lot of, I mean, it was a web thing and I didn't have a lot of money and I don't blame her, I don't blame her. And she was living on her ranch, I think up north somewhere and she just wasn't interested. And I was like, okay. Um, But I was such a fan of hers. There was a storyline where she, and it ties back to stuff that's happening now, there were the diamonds Mm -hmm. that um, Victor Jerome had. And there was this whole thing. It was really well done story-wise because it was determined He died and there was no one to give the diamonds to. And I'm still thinking that Ava should get those diamonds. Like somebody should bring this up. They waited a year. They said, if no one gets the diamonds in one year, it goes to Lucy Coe because she had found them. It was like, you know, finders keepers. And we forgot this storyline. And then a year later, they brought it back up and Lucy was divorcing Alan and Lynn Herring's, you have to look this up. If you've never seen it, her acting is so laugh out loud genius like in a good way genius mm-hmm. because she's like she tells like she tells robert scorpio and and scott and every all the major characters they have the diamonds and she's holding them in her hands she's looking at them she's like i have them i have the diamonds They're i have and i don't need any of you i don't need any of you and she's like i finally have them and then these two men walk in do you remember this no okay. these two men walk in and uh Robert says, gentlemen, and they walk over and they, they take the diamonds and she puts them back in this bag, this velvet bag, and they take her and she, they keep doing this com- comedic like pull back of the bag. Give me that, give me that, give me that. And they take it and they go, um, Victor Jerome owes like 50 million in back taxes. We're confiscating these diamonds as payment. And they walk out and she stands there and Lynn Herring just keeps going, I had him. I had them. They were in my hand. I had them. And it is the funniest and that I always stays that in out. my mind because, you know, just like any emotion, like laughter is such an important thing. And, mm-hmm. and she's always made me laugh. Like, I think she's just a very, very funny character and enjoyable character. And yeah, that's yeah. But I've had a I mean, I went on from General Hospital and I, 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 I made my own projects. I did quite a few web series. Denise is in several of my web series. And I got I don't know how we put well, Denise helped. Um, We got Jeannie Francis to come do a couple spots in one of my web series before she came back to GH. I think she was on The Young and the Restless. Okay. And then I've worked in television for since 1992. But really what I do now, I do marketing and I work for Fox Entertainment, not Fox News. (laughs) And um, I work on shows like The Masked Singer and and I work on um, all sorts of um, MasterChef Junior and I'm just about to start working on the new season of Hell's Kitchen. And then I did like you guys, I just saw an opening in my own podcast mind of Mm -hmm. the kind of podcast I would want to have. And I looked around and I found a few, but didn't find the one I wanted. So I launched my own web, uh, my own, my own web, listen to me. I launched my own podcast. Mm-hmm. called world done good i just started um i was like i have no clue how to do I, it's like i've done everything i had no idea how to do theater i figured it out i had no idea how to do web series we figured it out podcast i know how to edit i know how to record i was like all right what else do i need to know so i i uh a very good friend of mine gave me a tutorial on all the things you need to do to the post end as you guys will understand mm-hmm. not not this part but the you know where to put it up and how to get your view counts and And, and what an R of SS speed is and all those things that I had no clue. I learned all this stuff and I launched, I I did 16 interviews before I ever launched. Okay. So that, so that I would figure out like, do I want each show to be its own thing or should I mix and match or, you know, and then I launched and we're in week. I think I just put up number, uh, show number 28. I can't even remember. We started on October 7th. And we're just, we're world gone good and we're just telling good stories. And, and I've had, I just ask friends to come on with, and, P, and strangers too, like you and I, we all met and I mm-hmm. reach out to people and I say, come on the show and let's talk about something good. And we just spend about 20 to 30 minutes and, and it's really, really enjoyable. We've had to change how we spend time together mm-hmm. and how we communicate with each other. And this has allowed me to spend time with my friends yeah. And talk about things that we all enjoy talking about. And so, um, yeah, I did a I I I I wanted to have Denise on. I also wanted to have my friend Ray Prussia on. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, I'm like, yeah, I could bring. They're both longtime actors. Uh, Ray was on Suits recently uh, for three years. He had a huge part on Suits. Denise, of course, has done a million things, too. And then I just decided to do a show on Friendship. Mm-hmm. And I kind of curveballed both of them and said, the topic is friendship and they were both like, Oh, cause they thought we were going to do like an interview about my career. And I'm like, no, 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 we're gonna talk about friendship. And that's what the show is. But again, like you guys, like I had so much extra material that I didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. that. I just made this little bonus thing. And it's really funny because the bonus thing is like, I didn't do, I barely, I don't edit the bonus stuff. I always warn people, when you're going to listen to this, you're going to hear every, you'll hear my dog Hazel barking. You'll hear our wind chimes. I'm not editing anything. It's just, this is what you yeah. get. This is the bonus. And, um, and the bonus on that is pretty hilarious to me because it's, it's me testing them on when they first met me Mm -hmm. and, um, their, their answers are pretty hilarious. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been really, really fun.
3: I love your show. It's, I can feel that that's where your heart is, is that you just want to put good out into the world, you know, and I did listen to the um, friendship episode and it made me think, cause he made them think, what was your first friendship? Oh, wow! And I was like, and I'm very much like Denise. I moved around a lot. I was in four elementary schools by the time I was in second grade. But I remember when I lived, when I was in kindergarten, and I don't know if it's because I was just always told stories about her, but I know that there was a little girl named Esther that I was like super close with. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, Facebook. I wonder if I could find her. But then I'm like, okay, but is she going to think I'm creepy? Because (laughs) we were only friends for like six months. You know, that relationship mean more to me than her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's also, there's a horror movie called Esther. So that would be also (laughs) hilarious too, if that was your situation. I'm just saying.
3: (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And you're on all the major platforms and everything. We're on
1: everything. I'm trying to think of, oh, I have one really funny story I can tell you because he just passed away John Riley who plays Sean Donnelly one of the nicest human beings on the planet I'll end I'll I'll end this the year because your your listeners are like shut up okay John Riley 1992 has this scene with Antonio Sabato Jr. on the docks and I'm roughly going to tell you the scene if I remember it right there's some sort of shootout and Antonio uh Jagger gets hit in the shoulder I think falls to the ground and they have to block this whole thing out. And then Sean comes right. You know, the cops come and Sean comes running over. And he's the chief of police commissioner, whatever he is. And he grabs Jagger to look at him. And he's like, stay still, stay still. And they rehearse this whole thing. And then they go to film it. And the line that Sean says is Sean says, Oh my God, it just came back to me. Cause I had the wrong word in my head. I'm going to get it right. Sean goes, you're brave Jagger. And you're lucky. You're lucky, too. okay? because he got shot in the shoulder. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And Jagger's supposed to say something back like, yeah, Um, I think that was his line. Because Antonio Sabato Jr. is a very nice person, I'm sure. Or not. I don't know. (laughs) But they gave him less and less to say out loud and more clothing Mm -hmm. to take off. Again, have him on. Have him on. He can say nasty things about me. That's not me being mean. I'm just saying what I saw, just telling you my observation. Mm -hmm. So they map out this whole thing. They're like, all right, let's shoot it. Bell rings, five, four, three, you know, three, two, one, action, bang, 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 bang. Sean runs around. All these cameras are moving. I'm way back looking at a set of monitors. You can see it's really cool. It's kind of like Zoom. And the yellow box is jumping around is to tell you which camera they're on because there's somebody upstairs hitting the switcher as the director's going, go to three, go to two, go to four. So Jagger goes down. Sean Donnelly comes running over and he goes, Jagger, you're all right, man. You're brave and you're lucky. You're lucky too. And Antonio Sabato goes, yeah, and I'm lucky too. <laughs> there is the slightest beat And the director yells, cut. And John Riley like, threw his head back and laughed like a crazy hyena. The whole crew got up laughing, like, just went up laughing. And Antonio stood up, like, smiling, like he completed the scene. And John Riley patted him on the shoulder and said, good work, man, good work, and just walked away from him. And I don't know if they cut out, you know, cut away from it Mm -hmm. or did a... Mm -hmm. Went to the next scene. But the fact that that moment of John Riley will always stay in my head of how he had to hold it for that split second possible reaction shot after giving him his own line and having it repeated back to him Uh is what I leave you with today here on your podcast. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you so much.
3: So when we go out to LA, we totally... (laughs) I I was so excited whenever he said that. Yes, let's go have drinks. Absolutely. Well, and isn't our friend with JLJ Media also? I believe oh, so. so. Yes. We have a huge, we're going to have a busy schedule. We're going to have a huge, gosh, when this COVID thing is over or not, I don't think it's ever going to be over, over, but when we relax again. some to yes, safely travel. Right. When events are being I'm held like, again. All the things. <laughs> yes. So we are going to have a massive meetup out in L.A. one day. Please, please, please give his podcast a listen. It's It really is so good. He, I just love the whole idea of it. That's awesome. Yep. And I said it on our podcast, but I might have edited it out. So if I did, here it is. And if I didn't, here it is again. <laughs> I feel from him. Yes. What he just wants to put out there is... Good, right, you know, and I mean, you could tell it from his story
0: of he had his famous friends on, but instead of talking about how famous they are and bragging right. like, "Oh, I know all these people, he just wanted to talk about their bond and their friendship and how right. they got started. That's amazing, right.
3: it's just it's so much fun because he digs into little areas that you don't really put a lot of thought into sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's like of course we think of our friendships and our relationships and stuff, but when you start to really l- listen to that episode. It's, it is really, really good, but cannot wait to talk to him again. Yeah. You know, I love me and I love our new friendships that we're making. I know. We're Doing this podcast. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess just join us on Monday as we recap this week's shows. Have a good weekend. And we'll meet you at the pier. Bye. Bye.